Thrawn, Mike, and our special guest, Gerald Rivers, is back again. You might remember him from our episode that we did on the Civil War. Today, Daryl is going to talk about a whole new subject, starting with these awesome smoking hats, and I'm going to go ahead and change from Cowboy Jesus mode into the smoking cap guy. Yes. So that we're all uh, wearing our cool smoking hats for this oh, episode. Yes. I'm Sir Blazington with this <laughs> hat on. Indeed. <laughs> that is my uh, name that I was given today. Your moniker? Yes. Quite. And today we will be talking about Rudyard Kipling and the man who would be king. Um, Since we have our historian here who's an expert on the subject, we would like to go dive right into that story. So first, thank you for having me back. I am still shaving, unfortunately. Ah. I I had a Revolutionary War event, and then I had a 1940s event. Also kind of eccentric if you have a beard, so... Hmm. I will get back into full Victorian mode, but uh, today I look like a child. Yeah, you have <laughs> these, these awesome smoking hats. Yeah. Can, I, you, can you explain? Well, uh, to, to the general public, I am usually known as Lord Rivers. Lord and, and Rivers. And uh, these are my brand smoking caps um, uh, that I, I sell online. That I have my Victorian clothing line, Victorian uh, uh, caps and accessories and... They can find them on lordrivers.com. Lordrivers.com. Yes. You can get these cool hats yes. there. Sir Blazington. Sir Blazington. And, Sir, yes. I'm Sir Blazington. <laughs> yes. and uh, going back to Rudyard Kipling. Yes, so Rudyard Kipling, um, this is, for those of you that haven't seen it, you've got to watch The Man Who Would Be King. Yes. Um, it is one of the great movies of my childhood and probably influenced me Correct. more than I know. Um, Me too, and I believe that's how we met. And we started yes. talking about. I saw him wearing this pin, which is the insignia right, the insignia yeah. right there, and this this stood out to me because I remember having a conversation with my father uh, the first time we watched uh, the Man Who Would Be King. I was very young; I was probably like ten years old. And he told me, "Yeah, this is this movie is about Freemasons, and your grandfather was a Freemason." So ever since then, I've been interested in the craft and. When I saw that on him, I'm like, hey, that is the symbol yeah. from... And then we just started hitting it. We're like, hey, oh, did we just yes. become best friends? <laughs> yes. Yep. I got a cool smoking hat. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, let's go for it. I like to think of the man who would be king as like the Victorian national treasure. It's, it, 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 it's mostly fictional, and it lends a sense of mystery. Um, it, it, it's Kipling turning what if into an adventure story and so it's it's um to 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 give you the background it's set during the british raj and that's where kipling grew up he grew up um during the british colonial period where britain um ruled india um and in the first half of the uh um 19th century it's uh, this weird nebulous control of India by the East India Company, and in 1857, it's direct British rule that we know as is known as the Raj, um, and so that's the world in which Kipling grew up in is um, British administrators creating this class over in India, but and simultaneously being separated from and interacting with all these different cultures. And so you see that writing in there. Um, you know, he even writes about the, the white man's burden. 
you know, and and you and you have to figure out for yourself whether he's defending or attacking imperialism. Um, and the same thing with, um, you know, he has a great poem called The Mother Lodge, um, which is all about how um, outside the lodge, it's sir, salute, salam, but inside the lodge, it's brother, and it don't do no harm. So mm. he has this, um, you know, talking about Freemasonry bridging that cultural divide. But just to give you the background, there's the British Raj, and then we're going to talk a lot about... <clears throat> Um, Kafiristan is in is in um, the man who would be king, and it's the backdrop is the Great Game, and the Great Game is this Cold War between Victorian Britain and Tsarist Russia, and it's Russia has control over the north part of Central Asia, Britain has control of India, and so there's this game back and forth over the lands in between. And those lands in between are the great unexplored parts of the world then. They're these, um, you know, dangerous valleys and, you know, high mountains, mountains, the Hindu Kush. And in the story, these two Masons, these two former British soldiers, frustrated with the Raj, that they, they can't get work in the Raj because they're not of a particular class, um, that they're kind of the deadbeats of society. And, and that's, that's not really, you know, excusing them because they do some, they're, they're known to have been some shady characters before, but they are Masons and they are former British, British Army soldiers, decide they're going to go become kings hmm. in Kafiristan. They're going to just go off into the, the, the most exotic part of the world they can think of and try to take it over. Because they know how to drill men. Yes, because they know, they know soldiery, and so they're going to use that to try to take over this part of Afghanistan, Kyrgyzstan um, today. Um, and it's still a dangerous, dangerous remote part of the world. Right. Um, but the, the Kipling story is there's so many Masonic lessons in there. It's it's not only the the great questions, but it's also like, you know, what makes a good brother, um, and 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 it's always stood out to me not only because it it had that mystery that kind of drew me towards masonry, but it also feels like you can always get sucked into an adventure with a brother, <laughs> you know, and that can be good or bad, and you can end up dead at the end. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed, but it you know it, that's part of part of the adventure of life. Correct, and uh, the hero's journey. Yeah, and there's there's so many cool things to talk about with the uh, with the man who would be king. So, uh, did you have something you wanted to, to talk about first? Well, let's talk about Kipling and his history. Where did he okay. become a mason? I know he was born in Bombay, um, uh-huh. and he became a mason in in India. Yeah. Uh, do you know any any anything about the history? So of that? his family was very involved in masonry. He grew up in India. Um, and he has probably one of the worst initiation stories of anyone. He took the minutes to his own uh, initiation. <laughs> the lodge needed wow. the lodge needed a secretary, and so he got they got special permission to initiate him. Um, I believe he was twenty, and they needed to be twenty one 
or something like that. But he, they got permission for him to be initiated early in order to be the secretary. So I he he, he doesn't that never happens. Oh, I know, I know. But you know, that's the you know that's the part of part of his Masonic experience. And clearly, he enjoyed Masonry and wrote a lot about Masonry, and it was a huge part of his life. But I can't imagine that that was a very good beginning. Good beginning to uh, to masonry, um, and and I'm going to bring up this since we talked about it you did last talk time. About yeah. it last time. I am almost certain this was in the same room as Rudyard Kipling. So it's an 1865 book of constitutions, but it's stamped in 1890 by the Grand District Grand Lodge of the Punjab. And here's another thing with British imperialism is uh, different parts of India didn't get their own Grand Lodge for a time. They were part of district Grand Lodges, so these sub-Grand Lodges under the UGLE for a while. But this was um, stamped in 1890 in the district Grand Lodge of the Punjab, and that's the state in which Rudyard Kipling would have been the secretary of his lodge. And what do secretaries have to do? They have to bring stuff to the Grand Lodge, right? And so he would have had to go to the Grand Lodge of the Punjab. It's in the same building as Rudyard Kipling. Hmm. Pretty exciting. Yes, it is. I'm very excited. I don't know if everyone else is very excited, but that is it was in the same room as Rudyard Kipling. Let's talk. Let's go into the the movie. If you talk okay. about the movie, we're, we're talking about two main characters, okay. Michael Caine and Sean Connery. How did you feel that they they did in those roles? I think you couldn't have had any better anyone, right? And they talk about that. You can you can go and look on YouTube some of the uh, interviews yeah. that it was almost made a decade earlier. Wow! And it was almost made with Clark Gable. And like Humphrey Bogart doing oh, English accents. No. And it would have been horrible. Yes. Yes. Of course. I mean, you have Mike, Michael King's phenomenal and then yeah. Sean Connery. And Billy Fish. You know, the, the, he, was, he was just great. At, at, uh, and, and Shakira Kane. Michael wow. Kane's wife is in there too. It's, She's it's, Roxana. It's a great movie. And, and again, going into when, if you're a non Mason watching the movie, yeah. you're listening to the, the way they're talking to each other and they're kind of testing each other during the movie in different times in different parts yeah. of the movie. And, you know, when you first watch it, you don't pay attention to those things. But later on, as I became a Mason and I saw it again, I'm like, Oh, Hey, well, well that's the, the <laughs> best part. That's my, yeah, that's, that's where I, I love like, introducing oh, that to people. Exactly. It's, so he's in, he's in the, the train station and the guy steals his pocket watch. So he takes out his pocket watch just like this. Puts his, puts his arm around him and manages to, I mean, it, you must have had to have been pretty good to be a Victorian pickpocket, but manages to fish this T-bar out and gets it, and then he puts it in his hand and he sees, I put it out front, that jewel, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a watch fob um, and recognizes he's a mason and goes, damn. And then further on in the movie, he gets on the train with him trying to put his watch back. (laughs) (laughs) And so that just, it it tells you, and and it's great to talk to people about it, that guy's a Mason too. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't mean that, you know, when you're a Mason, you're automatically a great person. Right. No. But you're you're probably going to be a good person to other brothers. Yes. 
Um, and so that's just another one of those great Masonic questions of because he steals the watch and then he has this exchange with him, and it's this fake Masonic exchange. He says, you know, oh, uh, would you give it upon the square? Um, you know, and all this for the sake of the widow's son goes all this, uh, you know, semi-Masonic uh, exchange. And um, and then he ends up saying, I missed my watch in the station at Lahore. You know, the, the, the station that he got on and he was trying to blame the other guy in the, in the train car. And then he says, how was I know to you? How was I to know you were a Mason? <laughs> so great. Yes. That movie has a lot of Masonic reference and I, I recommend it to any Mason. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. Not only are the actors good, but the story's really good. Yeah. And if we get into the story, we were talking about guys who want to go be Kings somewhere. Yeah. And the way they find, uh, I believe it's uh, some type of lost tribe or something like that. Well, the the plan is that they're going to go talk to, because Rudyard Kipling is in the story. Right. And he goes and and they go and talk to Kipling and say, can we look at your maps? Um, And I I like to, everyone has a little bit of this Masonic experience. Not everyone, but hopefully you don't have this too much, but... There are times when brothers ask too much of you, you know, and so that's Rudyard Kipling putting whatever frustrations he has in there because he's, these guys show up and they're like, you know, we'll take two cigars a piece and uh, if a drink's being offered, we won't refuse one. And, uh, <laughs> and it, well, can we so look at your maps and we'll only be here till about midnight. Yeah, and, and so it's like, oh, okay. And, and you, there's, there must have been so many uh of his own feelings in that. But yeah, they go off into, first into the Hindu Kush, into some of the most treacherous mountains in the world, and then they go into these valleys, which were some of the most contested valleys in the Great Game. Um, you know, Kafiristan, up in the Wakan Corridor, there's all kinds of uh, these exotic places. But they... Um, um, I also recommend you looking at the reading the the book part because it's a short story, um, and they go more into where exactly they are, and and there's a lot more Masonic reference in the, the book because right. it's not just that they become kings; he also makes himself the grandmaster, <laughs> and they forget most of the third degree, so they make it up. Oh, they they decide they actually. They gather the headmen of the area after they've done some of their first conquering. And they, the, the grip goes back and forth, and there's some sort of recognition, and they say that they're entered apprentices. And then they check, and they're fellow crafts. And then they don't know the master mason. And so they go, oh, they're fellow crafts. We could make them master masons. <laughs> and they don't remember any of their work, but they're just kind of making it up as they go along and... Uh, you know, it brings up those questions, too, about clandestine work and at what point, you know, are you going past your bounds? Because uh, wow. he's not only declaring that he's the king, he is the grand master of Kafiristan. How did he get to Kafiristan and how did he meet the folks there and determine through the symbolism... In, in in both story and book, they go through the mountains and then they attack the first village and they 
they're, they got these new rifles. They have the Martini Henry rifles, and they, um, you know, they go defeat one tribe, and then they end up meeting the Gurkha, um, uh, the Gurkha, the Nepalese uh, soldiers that work for the British Army, and a, a member of a former expedition that that had uh, an ill-fated expedition that he was the last member of. But they go and conquer one tribe and then use that con- tribe to conquer another tribe. And um, in both book and story, they get to the, the part where they're both kings and now comes the question of the pride before the fall. Hmm. The pride before the fall. And this symbol, yeah. when, it was, when they first saw it. Now, there's the adventure and yes. the, the, the what-if that Kipling puts in that's fun, but clearly not academic. Clearly not. He says that that is a symbol. Now, they, they, they make the Master Masons in the, in the short story, and in the movie, he tries to prove that he's the son of Alexander the Great. And in both book and story, the high priest has this rock rolled back and on it is that That's symbol cool. which was also on the watch fob that kipling gave dravet um in in the story and so there's this connection it's the eye and the, and the and the square and compass and so kipling saying what if masons have always been around what if alexander the great was a mason what if masonry is universal and in ancient cultures it's around and it's it's that national treasure sort of what if uh, that that I, I you know he's not saying that it's real, but he's um, suggesting once upon a time. Yeah, once upon a time. So, is there anything else about this story that sticks out to you, um, or, or something that was funny in, in in the man who would be king? It's 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 the the funniest thing is just getting dragged along, because because again. Dravet ends up dying. You know, he ends up... Spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, if you didn't figure it out by now, I mean, yeah. if you make yourself the king, you're probably not going to come back from it. Um, the uh, It's the fact that you get dragged along with your brothers on something like this, and it could be great, it could be not great. Um, but Brother Carnahan makes it back. And tells tells the story to brother to brother Kipling and brings him in the head, you know it's just a little dried, dried shrunken <laughs> head with the crown on it, um, and they did become kings and they he mentions in the short story that he's the grandmaster to Kipling. He's the grandmaster. Yeah. And in the, in the story when they're talking about these things, I notice that they don't get into the actual ritual, but they're trying to talk about. Um, the developing the third, mm-hmm. right? What did you? How did you feel about that and, and the development of their third degree? Well, what would you do if you had no connection to any grand lodge or inspector, and you didn't know the work, but you really wanted to Continue. impart light on someone? You'd what would you do? Would version, you? Would right? you? Would you just do what you remembered? You know what? You know, and that's what they did. They thought, "This is it. We're out here. We're it." And so they're going to make their own, they're going to make do without permission because they don't need permission to do anything. (laughs) Easier to ask for forgiveness. Yeah, easier to ask for for, for forgiveness. Um, And that that brings up 
a lot of your own Masonic questions and your own Masonic conduct. You know, if you have something that you really want to do, do you ask for per- forgiveness or permission? Hmm. You know, and, and, and at what point do you become so frustrated with, you know, the, the, you know, the obstacles that you, you encounter in trying to do Freemasonry as you interpret it? You know? Yeah, that's a good way of looking I'm at it. I'm always bringing you these dark and bleak questions. <laughs> but hopefully but I, hopefully there's, a more fun, there's a more fun topic I bring one day. But but they're needed. You know, these are things that we need to talk about. Yeah. And, and I believe there's a lot of samples in the man who would be king of how not to be a mason. Yeah. Right? Because like you said, he comes in and he they impose it. And if you watch that scene, that scene's funny because you see these two guys, Sean Connery and Michael Caine, just walk into Rudyard Kipling office and they just grab the cigar and yeah and then they start smoking it and they start hey well, we're gonna look at your maps and you know and, and you know you're a brother right so yeah. you gotta let me look at your maps and yeah. we're gonna you know check it out we're gonna be kings and you know this is how we're gonna do it and we kind of need your help so help us and he's put in a situation where like okay uh and, and i kind of feel like where you're what you're saying earlier yeah. kind of echoing that where it's, he's, he's kind of apprehensive like oh Okay. Fine. Let, let's do this. Yeah. And he sent them on their way, and that way got really. And right crazy. before he goes, he gives them his watch fob. Right before right. he goes, he's like, "Please don't do this. This is really crazy." <laughs> and and right before he goes, he takes it off his watch fob, and and Dravid ends up wearing it as, as, as a necklace. Necklace. Yeah. But he's like, you know, maybe masonry will protect you. You know. That's a, that's an interesting yeah. part of the story. As far as as uh, Kipling's concerned, um, is there anything else aside from this story that kind of in his history as a Mason that stood out to you? If you're interested in anything with India and the Raj or the or Kipling in general, there's four big things. There's the Mother Lodge. It's a great poem about. Um, his experience with that. I talked about that. King Solomon's Banquet is um, a little bit more about a table lodge. Mm-hmm. And it's another poem that he did, If, another one if that has Masonic significance. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, Kim actually is an adventure story that has oblique Masonic references. Uh, not as much as Men Who Would Be King, but it's the book that's about the great game and this uh, orphan boy, Kim who ends up getting involved in uh, the great game between the Russians and Afghanistan and, and the British, and he actually grew up in a Masonic orphanage. Oh, so wow. there's all, all, of these, uh, all these little connections there. Aside from that, um, what, what's, what interests you the most about this story, other than masonry? Other than masonry, it's, it's a very interesting time. The, the great game is... I think one of the most interesting parts of history um, because of how remote it is, how dangerous it was. Um, If anyone's interested in the actual history of this, Peter Hopkirk's uh, The Great Game is the seminal work on The Great Game. And there are, as fantastical as this story is, the real history is even more fantastical. Really? is there any of, anything that of, you remember about that history that, that stood out to you? There are, um, 
you know, Englishmen that dress up as as monks um, going across in past Afghans and past Russians, you know, secretly surveying uh, parts of Afghanistan. There are, um, you know, the most brutal tortures and executions stories from from uh, um, Russians getting captured or Englishmen getting captured or Afghans. Um, it's it's just it is and it's so succinct that it's the great game because there's you know it is this big chess game mm. um you know who's in control of afghanistan you know in the late last half of the 19th century it's a guy named abdurrahman khan um who works for the british on occasion um, mm. has an agreement with the british and then um for you know, huge amounts of the 19th century, no one agrees where the borders are, you know, and that kind of represents what, what we're talking about in that Kipling story is when it's just kind of a nebulous gray, you know, no one knows where it is on the map. Um, that's kind of scary. That that's where you could just plant your flag. It's mine. Yeah, now. yeah, it might as well be mine if, if no one's going to, if they're, they're warring tribes that are going, um, you know, no one knew how far east the Chinese were claiming, you know, East Turkestan was contested and the border between the Russians and the Chinese and the British and Afghanistan, it was all nebulous. Um, and there's all these spies and it's, it's really a, 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 an interesting field to get into. Um, and this is just a small little what if and, story. Yeah, and this is that little adventure happened. story. Yeah. This is the cowboy story, but the great game. And, wow. uh, and that's that's why it's so important to me. Um, this is actually my past master apron. Um, and I talk all the time about being Kipling or being Dravit sometimes. You know, sometimes I feel like the guy that's walking into the office and saying, well, I'll have two, two of your cigars apiece. You know, <laughs> you, you, there are things that will stand out to you as you might be doing. And, you know, and you have to think about that too when you're in a position of, of relative power in the lodge, are you? you know, there's a point where where Dravet doesn't stand anymore um, in in Peachy's presence. Um, he's just the king. Well, I don't need to stand anymore. Well, maybe you need to bow when I walk by. And 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 that is a big question when yes. you're the master of a lodge. At the what eagle. point? Yeah, are you yeah. are you the brother? Are you the master? There, that's a delicate balance. And as we all know, in in our craft, uh, and the, the master of the lodge runs the lodge. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it could be a good thing, and it could be a bad thing. And the decisions you make as a master, kind of uh, even a past master, yeah. kind of can can switch, pivot, and change the culture of a lodge. Yeah. And in this in this situation, you have Sean Connery, where he was, you know, hey, we're brothers. Yeah. Now I'm your king. Yeah. And you need to And the Grand Master. And the Grand Master. So you just need to like listen to me. Yeah. Because I'm your king. If you were to tell me that, I'd be like, shut your face. You know, like, get yeah, out just, of here. We just went you on know? this thing together yeah. and then and now, now, and now, you're, now, you're, now you're taking it too far. Well, there's an important <laughs> message there yeah. for Masons even to this day that the most important thing that we are amongst the brotherhood is brothers. Yeah. Regardless of whether we're officers in lodge, whether we're grand lodge officers, whether we're king. 
on the when we're yeah. in the lodge, we're on the level, and we're all brothers, and we have to be able to yeah. keep our cable toes accordingly. I think for anybody who hasn't seen the movie or read read the the short story, it's a it's a good adventure. I think there's a lot of stuff for you to take from it and apply it to your personal life. And you're looking at, again, the way you explained it in the beginning, these guys are actual Masons, but they're really not acting very Masonic. Yeah. yeah. And so with, with the, with this story and these guys in these power positions, did you take any of that into account and use lessons accordingly when you became master of your lodge? I think so. I think it, it, guided how I act with my senior warden and how I, I acted as senior warden. Um, it always feels like you're, you, I, I, I highly recommend, and I say this all the time in my own lodges, you got to be friends with your senior warden. He is your, your backup, your everything. And I was so close with my senior wardens. Um, and I was very close with uh, my master when I was senior warden. And I feel like you are those two guys. And, and you know, it's tough being master because when you get over halfway yeah. through the year, people aren't talking to you and asking yeah. you questions anymore. They're at your senior warden's yeah. side because they're making plans yeah. for the next year. But if, you're, if, you are, if you click with your senior warden, night and day difference with, with how your year is going to go. Um, and it's, it's, that's, I can't say that enough. But I, I always imagine it as you're these just two goons <laughs> that are uh, that are just cobbling together the lodge as as as, as best you can, you know. Yes, uh, I think you know the harmony, the beehive. Of, mm-hmm. It's very important to have the right folks around you doing all this because it, it's either success or failure. Right, and your year it goes by like that, and like you said, having these great relationships in lodge with with folks to get the work done is very important. You know, that's why I feel like, like our lodge that we that we started or we're starting, it's it's going to be hard work, but I know everybody's willing to put it in and Absolutely. do what they and need do to do work. and get it done. No yeah. complaining. Let's just do it. And I think that type of militant attitude is is necessary for you to to accomplish these great things Uh, we have a lot on our plate but it's a labor of love Mm -hmm. it's something we like doing we love doing this we love talking about these things we love talking about masonry we love educating the public about masonry and please stop with those illuminati shits because i'm tired of it it's all done like fuck done please (laughs) it's it's over And, and if you haven't figured it out it's a scam I don't, I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant, but damn, every day I get hit up by somebody wanting me to join or something. Or wanting to join us yeah. because they think we're, they the think Illuminati. we're Illuminati. Gonna make them rich. You got all the answers. What the hell? Should we make up our own degrees now? I know. I, know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting, um, you know, looking, looking at things from these perspectives and seeing, you know, working with teams of, of people who want to put in the work. You could accomplish great things. And in this story, they did accomplish their goals, but at the same time, it was their demise. Mm-hmm. And their demise was the ego. And the ego can destroy a lodge. We have seen it firsthand, yeah. right? The so, road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yes, it is. But at the same time, uh, 
it was it good for everybody or just yourself hmm? the Great last story. thing i want to talk about is just is freemasonry in india in general hmm. um at the beginning it really does have that elitist british context um but as um the raj progressed you saw especially military lodges initiating more and more indians um uh, both hindu and muslim um and today masonry in india has a lot of those connotations um a lot of elitism um and you you talk to different indians about freemasonry india and pakistan um some of them feel like it has that connection with the Raj and, and with the elite class. And some people feel that it's, um, you know, now that the Grand Lodge of India is separate, that they, it, they're doing their own thing um, and that it represents overcoming religious and cultural divides. Um, so I, I'm no expert on masonry in India, um, but I've had conversations about Freemasonry in India with people and, it it starts with that that goal of of overcoming cultural and religious divides that you see in like the mother lodge um i can tell you from my travels yeah. that when i was in europe and eastern europe yeah. that every time i did research on masonry in the countries i was in the overwhelming theme was always it's complicated. Oh, yeah. And it's complicated because the history oh, yeah. of Freemasonry and the history of those countries and everything yeah. that all of them went through to get from where they were to where they are now. Where, so, what countries? Um, I was in, in Prague. Okay. And then also I was in, um, in uh, Hungary for, in Budapest. Okay. So, and then Vienna as well, yeah. you know, Austria. They, yeah. It's... It, all the history that I kept looking up was very similar. That it's complicated, yeah. you know, and sometimes and especially it's in secretive. Catholic countries, yeah. You know, I, my my experience with Freemasonry abroad is only Britain, Ireland, and Italy. And Italy is the most complex of them all. Um, you know, you can get into that. You could spend a whole episode on Freemasonry in Italy because it's mm. it's they have their mafia connection. They have their connection with the, Risorgimento the, the other and, and Garibaldi. <laughs> you know, the, the, their, their George Washington was a Mason. You know, Giuseppe Garibaldi was a Mason, and that represented kind of the, the breakaway from the old Bourbon monarchy and the church. And, and it's, it is complicated. And the same thing in Ireland with a Catholic country mm-hmm. um, and the connection with Britain. You know, it's, it has its connotations. So I encourage people to look into Freemasonry in India, make your own conclusion, come to your own conclusions about what the Raj was and what um, Freemasonry and the Raj was. But most of all, read the story, watch the movie. Yes. It, is, it is quite the adventure story. And because Kipling had so many varied experiences with Masonry, you can tell there's so much of that written into the story. Lots of overtones. Yeah. Yeah, so many little things that you can tell he's putting in there from his own experiences, and you gotta you gotta take those and and have that lead that to question what you do. Hmm. Awesome. I will take that and I will double down on it. Indeed. <laughs> so 
Where can people find you? Lord Rivers on Instagram, lordrivers.com if you would like some some obnoxious some smoking cool caps. Smoking hats. Yes. Um, you know, it Sir was well, yeah. Just just a quick aside on the smoking the cap. Jesus. This they were they were uh, you know m- mostly mid nineteenth century for and and they they ended up you know all the way in the twentieth century. But it's it's supposed to be a protection against smoke. You know, it's uh, when you're sitting indoors smoking cigars in a room full full of other guys smoking cigars. It's gonna get on everything, and so you have like this. You have this robe. It goes over your nice clothes. You got this. It goes over your hair. It's gonna protect everything. Yeah. It's gonna be great. It's I'm kind trying of... to get him to, to make me some special hats. Yes, but uh, he's, he he's doesn't want any. Mm. But it's okay. Mm. We're, we're still working. working. We're working him down. We're work him. We're Sir Blazington. Yes, <laughs> it might be. He's he might be one of these gentlemen. Mm. Yes, yes. We want to thank the the Long Beach Scottish Rite, and we want to we want to thank our production team here, um, Lord Rivers, and I want to give a quick shout out to First Three Knocks at Refreshment, and you know all our brothers around LA that support us, especially North Hollywood Lodge. Thank you very much, and Ravens Rock. Um, other than that, you have anything to add, sir? That's it. You did a whole bunch there. So, okay, uh, I sent a mouthful. I'll, uh, I'll just send them off from the northeast corner. Peace.